in Seattle, Washington. I'm Zach Jabal, and this is the Vine Pair Podcast. And today, special episode talking about vodka in many forms. And I have the privilege of being joined by Luke Barr, who's the master mixologist for Neft Vodka. Luke, thanks so much for your time. Zach, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. So let's start with a little bit of background on you before we talk a little bit about uh, vodka and about Neft. So what's uh, what's your story? How are you, how'd you end up as the master mixologist for, for this uh, vodka brand? Oh my goodness. I, how long is this podcast again? Uh, <laughs> we're going to have to break it into seasons. I'll give you the abridged version. Long, long and short, I think like most people, I, I found myself in a job for a long time and then kind of blinked and went, you know, I've always liked this job and now I realize I love this career. And my attitude towards it changed maybe about 10 years ago. And I really started to develop my skills and, and learn and take in as much knowledge as before. I was just kind of passing through the job. So when that changed and I got to train with some guys like uh, Richard Swan, who's a fantastic uh, mm-hmm. master mixologist who really kind of gave me my first leg into the industry. Uh, and then up through being a restaurant consultant and building menus and cocktails to now having what I think is probably the best job in the world, getting to create cocktails for a brand new, not just vodka, but a, a new introduction, I think, of vodka into the spirits industry, especially when it comes to mixology. So that's a little bit of the backstory of how I got here. And I have to be honest, I really do think I have the best job in the world. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to argue with you on that one because uh, I'm here in my basement and uh, I'm pretty sure you're in sunny Miami right now. So <laughs> you, you, win, you win this round, Luke. Um, okay, so let's let's start the conversation with just a little bit of kind of from your experience before this current role with vodka I'll cop to this as I have before on the podcast when we've talked about vodka that in my days as a bartender, I was 100% guilty of the thing that a lot of bartenders and mixologists do, which is like, oh, vodka, sure, fine. You know, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's for people who don't know what they want to drink. It's for people who want to get drunk without, you know, without tasting it. But but I will also concede that over the last few years through the opportunities, I've had to try some uh, higher quality product and stuff that vodkas that frankly are not we're not designed with that use case in mind um, mm-hmm. that I have started to come around on it. But for you, was it, was it a similar journey or have you always kind of been a, a vodka uh, devotee? No, I, I have a, a similar story as you and I'm sure a lot of other bartenders and mixologists out there where it long and short history tells us that we're supposed to drink it out of a freezer for whatever reason, which as you know, with any alcohol or food, it just kills aromatics, which is where we get a lot of our flavor and tasting profiles from. So right then we've, we've already killed the number one tasting profile with the product. Then we take it out of the freezer and shake it with ice because apparently it wasn't cold enough (laughs) and it dilutes it more. So we're killing more flavor as we go through this. And then we put it into the smallest glass possible because we know we're not going to sit there and sip it. We're going to shoot it as fast as we can, swallow it down and then follow it up with something as delicate as fish eggs or caviar or something like that and go, Hey, that's good vodka. And I just don't believe that that's the case anymore because of products like Neft. And it's not the only one out there, by the way. There are some good ones out there, most of them from Poland, and I can't pronounce, but they're very difficult to get in the United States, and they're very expensive. Neft is the first one that's offered us the foundation of that really good ingredients and distillation process to where we have a sippable vodka, which is something that we've probably never said before, sippable vodka. Um, So yeah, Neft was kind of one of the first ones that changed the game for me in the sense of just as a mixologist before I worked with him and I tasted it, I kind of went, there's a trick. Like this is like just a super cleto tequila or something, you know? Uh, But no, just after learning enough about it and getting into the the product more, 
it absolutely is a game changer. And, and it's not only a game changer in the way we're going to enjoy vodka, but it's going to change the way that people are now making their vodkas because we're going to have to have a different category. There's going to be vodka and there's going to be ultra premium vodka. Then there's going to be ultra premium sipping vodkas, almost like mm. your extra on Yehos when it comes to tequila or your, you know, single cast conditions, uh, 18 plus years into the 25 year scotches where it just has its own category and basis. Of course, you're the wine guy, so I'm sure you can give me a better comparison when it comes to the wine world. But yeah, I, I definitely think my my mind changed about vodka in the last five years for sure. Yeah, and I think that you know you mentioned the serving temperature and dilution and and glassware and and all of that. I think we're going to get into in a little bit. But I'm curious mm-hmm. too. You know, one thing from the start that was interesting to me with this category and, and with Neft in particular is that whereas a lot of what you would call maybe ultra premium vodkas previously had sort of their their almost their selling point was we've filtered this so many times that it tastes like nothing mm-hmm. um which is an interesting proposition when you think about it uh, that is very clearly not the direction that neft is going and and i'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about kind of why maybe filtration is not something that we should be like championing <laughs> when it comes right. to vodka. so twofold on this question, distillation versus filtration. You have to have both, obviously, to to make any spirit, especially when we're talking about grain spirits. But the distillation, uh, the amount of low distillations that we do versus the amount of low filtrations is astronomically smaller than any other products that are on the market that we're competing versus. And what I mean by that is we pretty much make our product much closer to a scotch or a cognac in the distillation process, obviously with mm-hmm. no barrel aging afterwards, which is where you're getting color and you know sometimes richness. But the low distillations, the fantastic artisanal water that we use in it, it's all Austrian natural spring water from the Alps and it comes out of the Rhine River. I always say this incorrectly and someone has to correct me later. The Rhine River, it really does make a difference when we're talking about the viscosity afterwards, which also low distillation yields a thicker viscosity. So we're getting that more creamy, silky, smooth flavoring, which lends itself in my mind to being a more enjoyable sipping alcohol. You know, scotch has a thickness to it. You know, it has yeah. a little syrupiness to it. So so does the best bourbons and scotches and, and cognacs. And of course, the barrel-aged tequilas carry some of this as well, where that baseline now is all the same for sipping alcohols, just like Neft is now carrying. And then, of course, we have these caramel and vanilla notes, which only come from really good rye grains, you know, yeah. which is pretty much the best, once again, bourbons and scotches in the world use the same ingredients in the distillation process. And of course, when it comes to the distillation, we do not use column still distillation. We're based on, on a copper pot distillation. So all these factors, when I really break it down, the easiest way to say it is we're much closer to a cognac or a scotch minus the barrel aging than we are mm-hmm. other vodkas in the world. Yeah. Um, and to circle back, sorry, your, your, your question again, the filtration in this, I think you'll never hear me say anything bad about another product. There's products I don't enjoy personally, but it doesn't mean they're not good. And I truly believe that every company out there has twofold in mind when they're trying to create a product. One is to turn a profit. I think there's no one out there that's trying to lose money. And the second one though, is trying to make the best, most enjoyable product to turn a profit. And I think those, the latter end is really what we talk about when we talk about the ultra premium and the fine, finest alcohols in the world they take time. They're more expensive for a reason. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think that is what separates Neff from a lot of other vodkas out there is other people, they just like said, tradition tells us they want to clean it. They want it to taste like nothing. And of course the international definition of vodka for a long time, which I hope we're changing now was odorless, colorless, clear grain spirit, pretty much flavorless. 
and I think that is no longer the correct description of a lot of vodkas out there. Yeah, and it it makes a total sense to me that in, there would be space in the category for something that is really saying, hey, you know, we understand that maybe there are reasons why you might prefer this flavor profile, but you don't want to sacrifice, as you said, the texture of your alcohol. You don't want to sacrifice the aromatics. You don't want to sacrifice the experience, frankly. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting. You mentioned this, I think, at the beginning uh, or earlier in this conversation, but one of the fascinating kind of points of comparison is like a Blanco tequila in terms of a, a clear spirit that without, without any barrel aging, shows a lot of the characteristics of the material from which it was made. And, and obviously in the case of tequila, that's agave here with naft and with some of these other kind of sipping vodkas, mm-hmm. it's, it's rye. Can you talk a little bit about kind of like, I mean, people have, most people like me, when you think about a rye based spirit, we're thinking about rye whiskey, right? And we, we mm-hmm. encounter that mostly as a barrel finished product. So it's always hard to know when you're tasting a rye, whether what you're tasting in there is the barrel is the, is the grain, right. et cetera. So, what, you know, you mentioned, I think, caramel and some other things. Are there other flavors that people should expect to get in NAFTA that come from these ryes that are grown in Austria? Absolutely. So we use a lot of these old world ryes that have this mild and soft undertone. So we get things like caramel and vanilla. We get, excuse me, a hint of uh, lemongrass in the top of the register, kind of on the third sip, um, because our body assimilates to it. We start to you use this term, we experience alcohol much more mm-hmm. than we actually taste it. And in, in most of my time of, of talking with people about booze, they don't use descriptive terminology of flavor as much as they do feeling. Mm-hmm. They go, oh my gosh, that could warm me up on the inside or it kind of burns or made my hair stand up before they ever go, oh, there's a blueberry undertone to this. You know, <laughs> like yeah. it usually just comes off as a feeling first because we're experiencing it. And so when it comes around to, to understanding kind of the differences in why it really comes down to ingredients like you spoke about with the agave the plant that goes into it is the baseline for those flavor profiles towards the end even though it's a clear spirit it's going to have aromatics it's going to have flavor profile it's going to have higher viscosity just because of the actual ingredients neft is no different the better the ingredients that go into it the better the distillation process and filtering the better the end result will be it sounds very simple it's just amazing how a lot of people in the past haven't wanted to do it that way not wrong or incorrect They've just chosen to make it differently. So I want to talk a little bit more about kind of experiencing or, or enjoying NEFT. And first, and, and I think you kind of alluded to this, but it's interesting to think about for many, probably for many of our listeners, what is in your eyes the best temperature to enjoy a glass or whatever, a taste of NEFT? So for me, everything has always been somewhat around cellar temperature, which is an old school British thing that they used to do. It's about 52 degrees ballpark uh, in there. So just below room temperature, if you will. And it's, it comes from a terminology where they used to keep the beer in the cellar because there was no refrigeration. And that was the way mm-hmm. to keep it a little colder or to keep them getting warm and spoiling. Um, so I always like to use the term cellar temperature, and, and that might mean a little bit of a different thing for each and every person. Uh, room temperature in my mind is kind of the easiest way to go about that and judge that. And I think the re- the best reason that is, is because of the flavor, because of the way that we use the distillation, we need to enjoy it in the same way that you would other spirits made in that realm. You would never, ever put your scotch in the freezer. No. It would just be blasphemous. So in my mind, why would you ever put your best vodka in the freezer? Doesn't mean it's wrong to do it with other ones. I'm not trying to tell people how to drink. But for Neff specifically, room temperature, neat, I think is the best way to actually enjoy and understand all the flavor profiles. 
And then a lot of people like to drop a cube in there because it maybe cuts it a little bit or takes apart a little bit of that sweet bite on the back end, which some people like. So once again, it's all going to be a personal preference, but I think for your first time, try it neat, room temperature, or just below. And then for people who enjoy vodka but don't necessarily, don't always want to have it just as a as a spirit neat, I know you've put a lot of work into kind of designing a whole range of cocktails that really showcase Neft. Can you talk about a couple of them? And, and let's start with, of course, probably the first vodka drink that most people think of, which is maybe a vodka martini. Yeah. So I think a vodka martini is just a way, it's an old school way. I think most people just wanted to get their alcohol. It was a delivery system, you know, and realistically, when we think about martinis today versus when that cocktail was created, they're probably about five ounces larger than they used to be. (laughs) They they used to be about three to four ounces and you'd get in a little Nick and Nora and you would sip on it for a few minutes and then you'd get another one if you wanted to. But, you know, now we're putting them in these eight or 10 ounce coupes or these giant martini glasses, which are the most devilish things that ever invented by man for servers. But (laughs) I think uh, as far as just a classic martini goes, uh, I like mine. I make mine. I call it the Amelia Martini. It's one of my favorites. I rinse the glass with a little bit of dry vermouth. And then just I I do a light shake, very, very light because a lot of people stir. I just like a light shake because I like mine to be a little chilled. Once again, personal preference on it. And then I just garnish with a small lemon twist. Okay. Um, Serve it straight up. And I I take mine in Nick and Nora. Pretty classic, old school, traditional martini. mixology martini but realistically it's pretty much about two steps gotcha so i think that's a lot of a lot of something that people might be able to enjoy at home but to dust the glass with some old school dry vermouth i think for me opens it up a little bit gotcha and what about some other cocktails that people could consider um that might you know not hide the vodka but but highlight this is actually a great question because i love to talk to people about uh the kind of gateway uh use of neft if you will and i think it's pretty much it's the bourbon drinkers vodka And what I mean by that is because we have those same vanilla and caramel undertones, one of the things that I love to do is take cocktails, margarita, for instance, and create the exact same build and just use Neft and and highlight those those accents of the product in the actual cocktail. So we do a Neftarita, obviously, super clever on the naming, right? Mm. (laughs) But uh, I haven't changed anything in the build. I still use either a little bit of uh, Cointreau. Or honestly, you can do a little orange bitters and simple if you're trying to keep it easy on yourself. And then lime juice and neft. Nothing else. Shake, dump, over fresh ice, and off you go. Interesting. And believe it or not, most people can't tell that I've used vodka instead of tequila. Wow. Yeah. So it's a very unique thing. Another one is our new fashion. Because obviously, we're new. We're neft. The neft new fashion. But it's the same build, same ingredients. Uh, I just obviously am switching out a bourbon for neft. And I use a little bit of orange bitters and whiskey barrel-aged bitters with one sugar cube. And I just muddle it down, stir it up, and off it goes. And most people really, truly believe, just because of the color and the flavor profile and the aromatics, that they're drinking a version of a bourbon old-fashioned. Wow. I, I, will, I will admit, I did not realize it was as versatile a spirit as that. That's pretty cool. It is. <laughs> I was just trying to find a clever way to say that. But the truth is, it's as simple as that. It's a really versatile spirit, mainly because of the distillation process that we use in the ingredients. Mm-hmm. There's no other product in the world, and I've done a lot of research to be able to say this, on the vodka market that uses four old world grains uh, and especially rye in that. Kettle might be one of the closest ones, and they use two, and they don't use the same two uh, depending on their distillation plant. Gotcha. Once again, just a choice that everyone has to make. We've chosen to stay very true to our roots, and we don't want the product to change at all. Gotcha. Okay, so there's an elephant in the room here when we talk about Neft, and we haven't we haven't gotten to it yet because I've been saving it because I find it fascinating. <laughs> oh, so great. We, we have to talk about the packaging, which is yes. for those for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, 
the vodka comes in either your standard 750 milliliter size, but packaged in essentially what looks like an oil drum, or I think you also 100 milliliter, sort of like a double airline bottle size, uh, same same shape, just much smaller. The barrel. So can you kind of give a little bit of why the barrel? And then I have some more questions. Absolutely. So long and short, neft means oil in Russian. And uh, one of the originators and one of our co-owners, uh, Ekaterina Kuzmina, who uh, started the company and really was the, the basis behind this to bring it to the forefront and make it in Austria. And she wanted that because of, of the best water. Um, but of course, she wanted to pay homage to how she was able to not only afford this product, but to where her family had kind of braced her and, and to pay homage to her family. They were kind of oil barons and worked in the oil fields. And of course, a lot of people there do. And, and that's the baseline of a lot of the backbone of that country. So Neft, meaning oil in Russian, she wanted to pay homage to that tradition and made it look like an oil barrel. But here's the fun part. It's not a gimmick. I thought it was the first time I saw it. It's a proprietary blend of tin and aluminum. So it has a great eco-friendly green footprint. Uh, but it's also, if you put it in your fridge for about 60 minutes, it stays cold for up to six hours. So it's not just gimmicky or kitschy cool. It actually serves utilitarian purposes. As much as well as it is unbreakable and resealable, you can take this thing anywhere. I mean, my buddies and I, we go camping. I take the thing with me. We drink the vodka by the campfire, pop the top off, and save our cooking grease for the morning. Hmm. Other people, I've taken it to Mexico, and we dropped it out of the back of a van one time on accident, went back, picked <laughs> it up. It was a little dented, but everything on the inside was just the same. I got to say that is an unconventional way to shake your martini by dropping it out of the van. <laughs> That one hit the funny bone, Zach. I like it. <laughs> so, okay, I, I understand both the the sort of homage element of the you know the barrel and the utilitarian side of it. I do have to say this as someone, in, and I'm sure you are sympathetic to this in your own uh, experience. As someone who was a bartender for years, I was always dubious of any bottle shape or any you know sort of container shape that didn't sort of neatly fit into a slot at the bar. Has that been an, an issue that you face when you're kind of trying to pitch this to bartenders? Like, I get it. It's a little wider. It doesn't fit neatly among mm -hmm. your, you know, standard bottle shapes. Yes and no. We, we've definitely run into some people that are a little uncertain about it at first. So in order to solve that problem, there's two things we've been working on. And one we already have in effect right now, which is a speed pour adapter. Mm. The whole top of the barrel comes off and fits this little piece of plastic, which we supply a cylinder that clips in. And then you put a normal speed pour adapter right, right into it. Now you can put a speed pour adapter right into the barrel, but sometimes it just is a little looser. So we made one that's very crisp. You don't lose any product, of course. So no, your P&Ls will be fine at the end of the month. And it actually makes for a much easier pouring. Now, it still is a little shorter. So what we have is for on-premise only, and this is something that we don't really talk about too often, but for on-premise only, we do have a glass 750 milliliter bottle. I think the other the other question I have about this, Luke, is sort of like, you know, you mentioned the shape and, and fitting a speed pour and stuff like that on. And those are obviously considerations for bartenders, whatever kind of bar they work in, you know, they need to be able to kind of work with any uh, product relatively efficiently and quickly. But as far as kind of giving them the tools to also explain the the sort of significance and, and what makes Neff special, how do you kind of interact with the bar community in terms of education on that side? For me, because I, I deal a lot with the mixologists of the world and the bartenders, uh, it's t it's twofold on the approach. One is to help them just understand, as, as any really good bartender and server does, if you understand the product, it's much easier to sell 
and you also will be giving better rec- recommendations. Mm-hmm. Sommeliers like yourself around the world will tell you, if you don't know the product, don't talk about it. Yeah. Right. So having knowledge on the product, especially when we talk about we've won the world's best vodka at the world San Francisco Spirit Awards. Um, we've actually been recognized at a couple different cigar and spirits competitions as kind of best in show mm. or the popular favorite, which I always think is hilarious for a vodka, a clear grain spirit to not only be recognized, but to win the popular vote wow. at a cigar and yeah. practically bourbon and scotch festivals, you know? So yeah, you definitely don't think about cigars and vodka, at least in this country very often. So definitely not, especially compared together. But once again, I use the term gateway. I think a lot of people are going to be able to link this to something that they already know and enjoy and then enjoy it in their way. And then of course, uh, when you, when you're able to sell someone the best product and it, and it has the awards to back it up and you have the support, but then you have a company like ours, that is not only very tech forward in the sense of how we want to be interactive and innovative with our consumers and our customers, I think that helps as well. So case in point, if you look at the front of our barrel, it has a QR code on there. You can scan it, take it right to the website where you can do everything from purchase the product, ship it to your house, find videos and cocktails, uh, recipes online that you can literally learn how to do it step by step. And of course, even link up with me and some of our other uh, executives and employees, if you wanted to plan an events or whatnot, it's just very simple and easy for everyone to use. And I think that also is an attractive quality, even if you're in a restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. Because you could scan the barrel and you know, you don't have to take it with you, and you can be an interactive with the product as well. Well, and I'm sure that you know any person who sees that barrel on a back bar is going to want to ask a question about it. So having that, be- it catches the eye. It does. And you know what? I will mention this: being that. Neft has the the spirit forward foundation on which to build a cocktail, which we haven't had in the vodka category for a long time. That helps a lot to go, hey, guys, once again, you have people that like margaritas, but they don't like tequila. Tell, tell them to try it with Neft. Mm-hmm. Might make them feel better. You want people that you know really want to have a cocktail, but they're not really into the bourbon or the heavy. They want something cleaner. Tell them to try it with Neft. More than likely, it'll probably fit and balance really well. Yeah, I can see that. One last question for you, because I think it's sort of uh, the other elephant in the room here besides just, of course, uh, the barrel. And that is (laughs) when we talk about the vodka category, and that's kind of where you and I started and where I kind of want to finish. You know, we said, oh, you know, there's there's been this and you mentioned this sort of tradition of, you know, super cold vodka shots, you know, not really sipping it. But the other thing that we've seen in the vodka category is a sort of ever an evolving brand category leader, right? When I started bartending, I mean, every other call for me was Grey Goose and then Kettle mm-hmm. One kind of stepped in there. And then now I would say the behemoth, at least in this country, is Tito's. And obviously, to some extent, whether it's with bartenders, whether it's with consumers, people who who have a brand loyalty to one of those or another brand, um, you know, sometimes it can be very difficult to convince someone to try something different, right? They they know what they like. Sure. They've had their Tito's and soda 500 times, and they're not really interested in trying something different. So how do you kind of convince someone, hey, you know, consider this other product, right? It's it's in the category you like. You don't have to convince them to try vodka. Mm-hmm. They like vodka. But how do you get them to move from a brand that they know and are familiar with to something new? Absolutely. As you mentioned, people are creatures of habit. Uh, they like what they like, and they don't really necessarily need to change. So for us at Neft, in order to really truly get people to hopefully understand and possibly sway their vote, for lack of better terminology, I think it's introducing them to Neft in a different way as a sipping vodka. I mean, that's what we say we are. We have the most pure taste of any vodka in the world. And I think to introduce someone to that is the best way to get them to understand the product. Now, 
subconsciously without even knowing this, what they may do next time they go and order a drink is go, Hey, I normally ordered Tito's or whatever, but I tried that sipping vodka neft. Maybe I do want that in my cocktail this time. So if I can introduce them to the product and it, and it's just simplest form, neat, and they can taste it. And then I always do the same thing after someone tastes, they go, this is pretty good. Or this is sweet. I really like this. I go, great. Now I get to tell you you're drinking room temperature vodka <laughs> and they all do the little head tilt and they go, Oh my goodness. So this is different. I go, yes, there you go. Now I've got them. This is different because the product is once they think that way about the product and in its infancy, they're going to start implementing that into their cocktail when they go out. And hopefully in our mind, they're getting a better drink out of it. Well, look, this has been fascinating. Um, I, I've had a chance to try the product. It's, it is delicious. I'm not normally a big vodka drinker. I'm just, you know, I don't know. I'm, I guess one of those people who uh, gravitated towards brown spirits when they were younger and have never quite moved away, but it's, it, I've given it a try a couple times, room temp as uh, suggested and requested. And uh, it is, it is very tasty. And uh, I certainly have people in my life who have uh, tried it and enjoy it as well, who are more vodka drinkers. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to try it. And of course the opportunity to chat with you as well. Thanks so much for your time and uh, your insight. Pleasure was all mine, Zach. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also... I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.